Listening Dog Media. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Board. It's me, Two Christmas Trees, Kate Orsay. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Producer Abby, for writing that in. We're here to warm you on this bleak Friday. Yes, it's the day that most of the UK are hungover. It's also post-election day as well. We are recording this before we know any of the results. Just putting it out there now, why on earth can we not have football shirts at polling stations? If we've got dogs at polling stations... Why not football shirts? Joining me here on the show to answer maybe that very question, who knows? I don't uh, think so. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Hooper is here, Wolves fan, Premier League reporter, she of many broadcasting facets. Apart and from, I'm, I'm feeling a bit left out because apparently I'm meant to be hungover, so have I missed a Christmas party? <laughs> yes, we all have got, got invited and you didn't, Hoops. Uh, and also the brilliant, uh, especially on the back of her last performance, Watford fan, stadium announcer, five live presenter, it's Emma Saunders. Welcome back. Hello, but well, I'm pleased to say when we record this, I am completely sober, not hungover. However, this time tomorrow could be a little bit oh. different. But feeling a bit under the weather, so I'm not sure if I'm going to go yet. But Watford do have their Christmas gathering this evening. <gasps> so you're going to be getting involved with that? Drowning sorrows slightly. <laughs> and no, drinking to the future. And really? are you able to reveal where this Christmas party has taken place? It's it's in Watford. Okay, uh, somewhere there. At, at a nice bar in Watford, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, big Watford news since you were last on the podcast. We discussed the awfulness that is relegation and the potential teams involved. Watford was one of those, but now the club have acted. Nigel Pearson, the mm. man in charge. What are your thoughts? If I had to describe what was going on at Watford, what was going wrong, when you speak to people, they say they don't get it. The squad, you know, it's a brilliant yeah. squad. It's, it's a lovely stadium to go to. Structurally, people might argue that it, it seems a bit unstable from the outside. But, you know, I work at the club and the structure that the Potsdays have got in place, I would argue, is the complete opposite. So everything's actually pretty sound. Really, I would argue they just need a coach that is going to give them a good old kick up the backside. <laughs> And who's your man? Nigel Pearson. <laughs> so I, I was actually quite pleased when the confirmation came through it was going to be him. 
all week, it did. It, the understanding is they were looking at bringing in an English manager. Mm. And Hayden Mullins, in the two games that he had, there was a real bounce there. Perhaps not so much in results. They, you know, effectively just picked up one point against Palace. But when you speak to the players, they were pretty gutted that it had effectively come to an end. I mean, Hayden Mullins will still be around. He's the under-23s coach mm. at the club. There's talk that he may still be in a position where he can join up with Craig Shakespeare and Nigel Pearson. You, you talk but... about personnel, but surely you have got to spend in January. Nigel Pearson needs to be given some money because, uh, no offence, Emma, but your defence has been woeful. Yes. Um, there are definite pockets of space there that shouldn't be there. <laughs> uh, watching them as well, you ju- I just don't think that there's an assuredness either. and Maybe that can be coached out. But unlike Manchester City, who have got a pretty woeful defence as well, they've got all that attacking flair mm. and those creative players and yours haven't really delivered. I always think that no matter how much she tries Andre Gray just doesn't cut it yeah I do think I'd be shocked if the club isn't looking at strengthening both ends of the pitch Mm. um, to be honest but Troy Deeney has only just come back in and Andre Gray does seem to to really vibe off him and and his confidence levels do seem to grow a little bit when Troy's around a bit more so perhaps we'll just have to see Mm. if that's the case and he comes good in the next few games but yeah you're right I think defensively they'll have to shore it up a little bit as well but I I think there is hope that really it's just a confidence issue this side's been facing and that Nigel Pearson is going to be the man to shake them out of it Well he will feature a little bit later on in this podcast too because we're talking about the hard men of football and if they're you're right, if there's anyone who might be able to give them a good kick up the backside, then Pearson is the one. Craig Shakespeare's, of course, have been announced in the last few days that he'll be joining as um, assistant head coach, I think the title is. We know that Chris Hewton turned down this job, as did a few other managers, because they didn't fancy the six-month short-term contract, effectively. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens for Nigel Pearson and whether he will last beyond that six months or not. Um, Hoops, what have you been up to this week? Anything interesting Well, to talking of us? managers and, and clubs looking for a permanent manager. I've been been at Arsenal the last two days. Um, So Freddie Lundberg got his first win since he's been the interim head coach. The message out of Arsenal Football Club at the moment, I think the bottom line is... If the right candidate, and they do have somebody in mind apparently, is available, they'll act quickly. If not, they are happy to stick with Lundberg for, for the time being. And that seems to be the message coming out of the club. They'll have that big game against Manchester City on Sunday. And I don't think anyone's go- expecting them to, to beat Manchester City. So I think he's got a little bit of time mm. and the club have got time to get things in order, but they don't want to rush any appointment. All right, well, coming up, we're discussing the funniest press conference moments ever as we uh, continue our celebration, or maybe that's not quite the right word, depending on what you think of Nigel Pearson's return, uh, his famous ostrich moment, of course, where he laid into a journalist called him an ostrich. Uh, so we're taking a bit of inspiration from that. Plus, we are are going to help you get to know some of the teams in the Club World Cup. A reminder first, though, that we're on Jack Radio at four o'clock on Fridays. Don't miss us. But first... Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. That's too nice. Go on. That's so too nice. It's got to be, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. (laughs) 
<laughs> Emma Saunders? I, I'm not even going to try and beat that, Lindsay. Yeah. If anyone bumps into Lindsay in a dark alley in Dudley, you know <laughs> what to expect right now. Well, with the appointment of Nigel Pearson at Watford, Duncan Ferguson pulling up trees at Everton, not literally. Uh, we thought we should he could, kick though, off. He could, though, couldn't he? He blooming well could. Uh, we thought we should kick off celebrating the hard men and women of football. So we're thinking Razor Ruddox, Vinnie Jones, Hope Solo in the women's game. Emma Saunders, who have you got for me? Hard, hard men or women? Yeah. Emma Hayes still really scares me. <laughs> uh, no doubt she's a brilliant, brilliant coach, but I just wonder how much of that is terrifying her so this players. Is the I don't know. Chelsea this is a Chelsea women's, women's manager. manager. I um, think she's as soft as goo, you know, underneath. Do you the, think? The, I, yeah. Exterior. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think once you've got got under there a little bit, I yeah. think she's really mushy. I guess what Lindsay's saying is you need to break that little. Yeah. Like cracking an egg. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you can understand with a lot of women managers how they have to be like that. And actually, in broadcasting, Linz, I'm sure you guys have experienced this. Some of the senior women in broadcasting do seem quite serious and quite scary because they've had to have mm. that kind Thick of skin. fierce yeah. front mm. in order, I guess, this is how they feel, in order to hold their own with the guys. And I'm talking traditionally and decades ago. But that's where some of that comes from. And I feel like Emma's got a bit of that about her as well. She's always had to stick up for herself, back herself. Mm. I, I'm much more assertive than I was was 10 years ago and I, I know that comes with time but I do think it comes from experience in this industry too I've got a bit more of a rhino skin which is getting a bit more wrinkly as well <laughs> I'll buy you some moisturizer <laughs> thanks thank you um uh, Lindsay who would you like to chip in with oh well I, I have to go immediately when you think hard man I juggle between my favorites Roy Keane or Stuart Pearce yeah. Those two spring to mind immediately. So Roy Keane, he had that bust up with Patrick Vieira. Um, he also got that revenge tackle in on Alf Inger Haaland, if you remember that one. When, and Mark Clattenburg, um, as a referee, said that the very first time he refereed a game that had Roy Keane in it, um, a ball went for a goal kick and Roy Keane screamed at him that it was a corner. And he went, OK, it's a corner then, because he said he was absolutely petrified of him. Um, and Stuart Pearce, in, in my memories, I go back in, in time. I remember there was a game that he played on with a broken leg um, so he broke That's his leg true. and that was against your club Emma um, it was against Watford and in the first half he, he broke his leg got to the, the half time whistle wanted to come out in the second half and people had to hold him back and say no you need to your rest your leg's broken mate that was um, what he was playing for ultimate hard men of football but there are some hard women out there I urge everyone to go onto YouTube and find a video of Elizabeth Lambert she plays for New Mexico and she is a beast. We're talking <laughs> kicking, knocking over. She was involved in quite a high-profile hair pulling. We all think that it's very nice in, in the women's game. This girl just blows that out the water. She is savage. Yes. But have a look and see if you if you think the same. Do you remember when Manchester City's Jill Scott headbutted another player? Do you remember that? You know, tough sort of Sunderland lass. Go on now, Jill. Just <laughs> gave her a little nut. Talking of headbutting, of course, is the famous Zinedine Zidane headbutt on the chest of uh, Marco Materazzi oh. during the World Cup in 2006. That is not the way we wanted him to go out the game. No. He's one of my favourites. Um, Emma, who else have you got who scares the bejesus out of you? I guess I probably shouldn't say this because I'll have to interview him very, very soon. Um, but by all accounts, Nigel Pearson does have a very firm handshake. <laughs> I suppose he does. I suppose, he have does. you? If yeah. you, if you shook his hand. So I covered um, Nigel Pearson for many years when I was um, in the, in the East Midlands, and he was at Leicester, because I used to be one of the regional reporters up there covering for the BBC, and so I had to come into contact with him quite a lot. 
I always found him away from the press conference scenario and away from the interview scenario to be absolutely fine. Mm. But he has got that, yeah, that firm hand grip and also a stare. Yes. No, my colleague had just met him and texted me after saying, yep, just met the new gaffer and I've somehow got to drive my car home. Not sure I'm going to be able to do it with a broken hand. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, that introduction. <laughs> do you know that Vinnie Jones was uh, approached to play uh, Nigel Pearson in a movie charting the rise of Jamie Vardy? Now, what's happened to this film? I have no idea. I think it may have been kiboshed after Jamie Vardy uh, made um, the World Cup and then didn't score the winning goal, perhaps. Um, but there was meant to be for a very long time a Jamie Vardy movie. Yes, and I remember this. I think it came down to scheduling. I don't think they actually got it out quick enough because with those things, when Leicester had won the title, it's one of those things that you need to get it out. So there is exists. a moment. It's out there on a, on a DVD somewhere, I is think it? They, but we've not seen I it. Don't I don't think, think it was this. No, I don't think it exists so in its entirety. Never... I think that there were maybe a little bit of either a pilot or a few bits of footage that were filmed. Right. But yes, it didn't make the, the light of day. Vinnie Jones is another one, though, that I think has this hard man exterior, but I don't know if you saw him on the X Factor recently. No, I know, I well, that's gone now, hasn't it? It's, but he, yeah. yeah, he was so lovely. I think I think he's really, really mellowed, unfortunately, since the uh, death of his wife. But yeah, he... It was hard to it's hard to picture him mm. out there as part part of the crazy gang when you saw him on that X Factor stage. Wow. Yeah. But none of us have mentioned anyone really recent. You know, Roy Keane when he was playing Stuart Pierce, from my memories. Yes. You've mentioned Vinnie Jones and you've mm-hmm. mentioned Nigel Pearson as a as a man. I, I guess most recently you struggle because there aren't as many nowadays in football because it's been it's been you know let, let out the game really not to be so firm we sort of had your Nemanja Vidic and your Martin Skirtles were pretty the hard Amsterdam and they? people but like that I, I think tired, maybe I someone like I think Stoke spring to mind when you think of recent teams that were in the Premier League that played really hard I would have said Stoke City I'd have said your your Shawcross and the guy that I'm going to mention as well Robert Huth I think yes. that he was he was perhaps the most recent if you remember 2013 time he had a head injury um, when Stoke City played Wigan that needed multiple stitches <laughs> and he played for 90 minutes and then afterwards um, I remember this that in the in the post-match everyone was saying you know how is he and then and then prior to the next match he had 28 stitches <gasps> in his head Oh he is truly me. a hard man. Um, another hard man, or some people might just argue that he's not so much hard as just um, too much of a gob on a stick, Joey Barton. Mm. Um, I was he's not hard. Well, I he, don't think he's hard. I think he. I think there are elements of him that are harsh, I suppose, rather than hard. But one little story that I remember, um, Alan Pardew speaking about when he was at, when he took over as manager at Newcastle was basically Barton bowled up to him on that first day no like hello no sort of formalities at all and Barton said just to let you know me and the players don't want you here we don't think that you should be here and you need to know it <laughs> so no like hello how are you my, yeah. my new managers <laughs> just we do not want you here I think he's bold but I don't okay. think he's hard did you see by the way Joey Barton speaking to the football feminism and everything in between that's Alistair Campbell and his daughter have this football podcast um, and he has said that women's football will always be inferior if smaller balls pick pictures and goals aren't introduced to suit their physiological state. That, him saying stuff like that, which is just 
be on the pale. It's, it's all, although Emma Hayes did suggest, didn't she, smaller goals, there was a bit of controversy around that a year or so ago. But that's not helpful, is it, from Joe that, Barton? That's why I feel like we've been there, done that with this debate yeah. in the summer, though, which, again, mm. is very telling of how much Joe Barton actually follows conversations in, in women's and, and football. And actually how much women's football has Joe Barton watched. Yeah, And exactly. he says things for effect anyway. And, and yes, perhaps the size of the goal is something that still splits people a little bit. But away from that, are we not past this conversation? Yeah, mm. probably. One one more hard man story. Um, big, big dunks taken over at Everton, of course. Famously, a burglar once broke into his home. Uh, Ferguson had a bit of a bust up with them and uh, the burglar spent three days in hospital afterwards. Yeah, Do I've, not I've, heard, I've heard about this and I hear that, I mean, I don't know how true it is, that he locked the burglar in a room and basically just tormented him for a while whilst before he called the police. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Is Freddie Lundberg hard enough just to finish this conversation off? No, no. And I think that really is going to be his main issue when they're considering from him for this Arsenal job because it was the same with Emery. It's just this this power control. That's the argument, though, I think, for not bringing Ancelotti in as well because he seems like when he wants to be, he can be a bit of a spiky character. Towards the end of his time at Napoli, he really clashed with the president of the club there. <laughs> Which is easy to do because he's a bit wacko. It is. But then... Don't you think Arsenal, there's so many layers to the issues that are facing that club at the moment. And the last thing you want to do is bring in a manager that's potentially going to be clashing with the board, with the, yeah. So I think in that respect, Ancelotti might not be necessarily the right choice. But Lundberg, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be a strong enough character. Whilst we're on the topic of hard men, I'll tell you what mystifies me about Arsenal how you can have Steve Bold in charge of that defence. Look at the player he was and how hard he was and how that defence turns out every weekend and just looks flimsy. Toothless. Yeah. It is odd because it does not feature in modern football at all and it's seen as unsophisticated and it's seen as not how you use your intelligence and your skill and your football vision. But actually, in the game of football, as fans, that's what ignites us. Some passion, some some hard tackling, you know, that's what we want a little bit of as well. Stop trying to sanitise football, everyone. All right, it's time to calm proceedings and move on to the Club World Cup. Hello, listeners. I'm Kate Borsay, and have I got a podcast for you? Well, yes, I do, because it's all about football, and it's called the Offside Rule WSL Edition. It's hosted by me, Kate Borsay, and Lindsay Hooper, a very fine combination we are too. And every week we get a whole host of different names and voices from women's football to talk to us about the latest news and action on and off the pitch. If you like the sound of that, then search now for the Offside Rule WSL edition wherever you're listening to this and get some women's football in your life. The Offside Rule WSL edition, because women play football too. So Liverpool's hard December. Liverpool are about to kick off their month of madness. Next week, they've got three fixtures rising to four should they get through the much-loved competition that we all know about, the Club World Cup. Yes, it's high on my priorities too, even as a Liverpool fan. Uh, The champions of every continent play each other for a chance to be named the world's best. The champions of Oceania are already out. That's part-time Hein Heen, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, Liverpool's opponents, by the way, yet to be decided with second round matches due to be played on Saturday 14th of December. I've asked you each to have a look at a couple of teams involved in this tournament. Hoops, who have you got? 
Flamengo, who are likely to be the team to face Liverpool in the final because they're also entering at semi-final stage. A huge difference between Flamengo and Liverpool with this one, arguably, is the passion for it. I would say that Flamengo will want to go all out to try and win this. It will mean a lot. Whereas with what Liverpool have got on their plates at the moment might not be as much of a priority. Thank you to James Horncastle because he spoke about Flamengo quite recently. um, And so I got quite a lot of my information about Flamengo (laughs) from him. The thing that I did know is that they're Copa Libertadores champions for this year. First time in 28 years that they've won that competition. And that was only in November. They beat River Plate. That was broadcast on the BBC. Uh, Friend of the show, Mark Scott, in terms of we all know him, um, commentated on that one. Uh, I was watching all the drama at the end there. Uh, Two late goals from on-loan striker Gabriel Batista and... They're managed by a Portuguese coach who's got real plaudits. This is what I was learning from James, is that um, Jorge Jesus is held in very high regard um, as a coach. It's his first FIFA club showpiece. They could become the fourth South American team to win the competition. So Corinthians have won it twice. Sao Paulo have won it. Internacional have won it as well. And I guess along with Batista, who's got 34 goals in 41 appearances, another key player to look out for, I think, is their midfielder, Ribeiro. He's very, very good. I've watched him. He's quite old, one of more of the leaders of the team. And... I think that they will be gunning for this. It's their mm. year. They've broken the hoodoo of 28 years and I think they'll feel like it's their year. They are certainly, aren't they, probably one of the most recognisable names in this Club World Cup apart from Liverpool. Um, I've had a quick look at Al Sad, uh, based in Doha and Qatar. They're managed by former Barcelona legend Xavi, automatically qualified for this as the host club team. Their name, by the way, translates to the boss. They are the best uh, side in the Qatari All-Stars League. And they won the... That, um, that well-known league. Yes, they won the Asian Champions League in 2011, so fair play to them. So this is not their first outing in the Club World Cup. Last time, uh, they were bronze medal holders. They made it to the semi-finals. Uh, they were knocked out by, I think it was Barcelona, and went on to go and win a bronze medal. So they could be one to watch. Well, That's the one Al-Sad. thing they have got going for them is they're used to the conditions, aren't they? Yes, and Al Sad play Monterey. Uh, and the winner of that side plays Liverpool, and that n- moves nicely yes. on to Emma. Conveniently, uh, the team that I have picked out are Monterey. So they're the CONCACAF qualifiers, mm-hmm. which basically means North American branch of world football. Um, they won the equivalent of the Champions League in that area of the world. Probably not surprising in that area. The Mexicans are pretty dominant. As we know, in terms of women's football, they totally dominate the scene in the USA. And then you've only really got Canada and, the, and smaller Caribbean countries and Central America. Um, so they're pretty good. They're called Los Rayados. Not, sorry, I'm not very good with my Spanish. Hemel Hemsley shining through there. Um, <laughs> the striped ones, due to their navy blue and white striped kits. Um, so not the most threatening nickname. But being a Watford fan, I can identify with that. We've got a stripy shirt this season as well. And coincidentally, they also have a former Watford player playing for them, Miguel Leon. Um, which I won't blame you if it doesn't ring any bells. He he played uh, in 2015-16. But that is pretty much where the similarities with Watford do end, basically because Monterey are pretty good. They're all conquering. (laughs) Uh, Also, I should mention another player that has swapped North London life for a life of Mexican sunsets, sombreros, tequila. Does anyone remember this? North London, so a Tottenham player in the summer. 
That went to Monterey. Oh. That went to Monterey yes. in the summer. Yes. Ooh, can't remember. It was Vincent Janssen. Oh. So we may see a bit of him again. That's interesting. Yes. So like Liverpool, Monterey um, beat a team from their own league to qualify um, for this competition. It was Tigres, uh, 2-1 over two legs. And apparently it's the fourth time that they have qualified for this competition, so they know it quite well. A bit of experience in the Club World Cup. So are they really going to be a threat to Liverpool? Apparently they're meant to be quite an aggressive side, but their manager admits that they do need to improve defensively. And when you think, you know, the sort of Liverpool side they might be coming up against just to what extent they need to improve may well come to light. One discussion point when we're thinking about the the next World Cup as well Mm. and whether they're going to be ready. They weren't ready for this. Do you know that one stadium isn't going to be used because it hasn't been declared ready in time? The Education City Stadium. So they're now playing this whole Club World Cup out of two stadiums Mm. instead of three. And that was the stadium going to be used for the final, um, I think, as producer Abby's whispering to me. So that's not ready. They've only just finished loads of Metrolink stations as well. And there is the whole issue of, is it right that this is being held in Qatar? In fact, um, one of the... um, it's meant to be the warm-up for the World Cup there. They've got yeah, to do no, something, I, know, I suppose, but, but, you to know, practice. But... You know, just to show an example here, one of um, Liverpool's independent supporters union, Spirit of Shankly, said, look, we're not going to touch it, basically, because of the issues regarding migrant workers, how their passports are seized, the LGBT rights issues, trade unions, etc. So a lot of the Liverpool supporters groups have not endorsed this at all. However, there is a special Liverpudlian lineup of musical acts. So this is kind of how the organisers, they are basically playing to Liverpool in terms of organising the entertainment schedule. Emma's given me a very confused yeah, look. <laughs> so this special Liverpudlian lineup involves the Cavern Beatles, the Lightning Seas and Jamie Webster among those performing. And if you go onto the entertainment schedule, there are some right old random things going on there. There are some very odd things. You can watch the Liverpool matches, by the way, live on the BBC. OK, so one final topic. Gather round. We're having our own press conference. This is the Offside Rule from Muddy Knees Media. So this one, it's a hard day's work, Lindsay, if you're a manager attending all those press conferences week in, week out, having to explain yourself. It's hard being a journalist as well, I have to I say, agree. isn't it, Emma? I agree. Uh, we're going to return to Nigel Pearson uh, for this last topic and his famous, are you an ostrich, quote, because we want the best things to have happened in those confined, intimate rooms uh, where press conferences are held between you and the manager and a host of media. And I'd love some personal experiences on this one. If you're not familiar, by the way, with the you are an ostrich comment, it, it goes down in football history, doesn't it, ladies? One reporter, or he was generally being asked about the, the poor performance of his Leicester side. And one a reporter said, him, well, what sort of criticism are you referring to that you've received that you don't think is right? He thought he was being judged too harshly, Pearson. And Pearson said... Unbelievable, the fact that you do not understand where I'm coming from. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you're, you, you, you are an ostrich. Well, your head must be in the sand. <laughs> he had a few, didn't he, Pearson? Uh, yeah. yeah, he did. Um, have either of you ever been on the end of, um, of a bad mood from a manager or been on the end of um, some slightly choice comments? I guess because we are an all-female 
football podcast discussing men's and women's football. And, and it's taken us quite some time to get here, hasn't it, Kate? I mean, this podcast has been going for over six years and we, we actually started it with Hayley because we felt we weren't given that opinion. And that all came from experiences like one of my very first, which was when I was a work experience. I was only around 17, 18 years old. I was with the newspaper at the time and Gary Megson was in charge at West Brom. And I went with a reporter to sit with him to experience the press conference situation and being in training as well to want to become a journalist. And at the end of that press conference, in front of everybody, he said, who's the new bit of skirt with you? Um, And basically tried to embarrass, I think, the reporter that I was with, but didn't realise that in doing that also was making me feel very uncomfortable. He probably doesn't even remember that. But but 17 years old, Mm. you do remember those occasions and you might think it's banter, but it's just not appropriate. And I was the only female, which won't surprise you, in that room. Mm. Um, And I did feel like at such a young age that I was being... That, that was the start of the road ahead, shall we say. Mm. I, I just thought, you know, this is where I'm, I'm going to have to develop that thick skin that we were talking about. And, and actually, you know, several more who, who would have attended that may not have considered their career in journalism or not in sports journalism after that as well. Where is Gary Megson now? Well, there we go. There's your answer. <laughs> Look where Lindsay Hooper is. So. <laughs> I, that reminded me, actually, of something I had really early on as well, where I did a post-match interview with a manager I think it might have been at Millwall, actually. It was really, really early on. And it was just after I was working for BBC and they had the commentary rights to the game. So if you have the commentary rights to the game, as the reporter, you have the right to ask the first questions and go first. So I did. I led the I led the um, interview after the game and I had a journalist just come up to me after and say, oh, maybe next time I'll wear a skirt and um, it might mean that I get to go first. <gasps> but the irony was I was actually wearing jeans. <laughs> so I don't, really, I don't really know what it was supposed to mean, but it was it was the same kind of, yeah, sentiment. So. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just a reminder as to to why we're here. Yeah. Yes, I suppose so. What about other press conference moments that have uh, stuck in your head, either because they've been amusing, they've maybe been pointed? I, I kind of always um, always think about when Jose walks out of his press conferences, as he did, of course, when he was when he was uh, Manchester United manager. Uh, the side lost at home to Tottenham, and he had enough and walked out. Of course, he wouldn't be the first, won't be the last manager to do that. Any other infamous press conference moments or experiences that you've had? Well, one of the ones that I really remember and and immediately when we were talking about this, it sprang to mind was to do with Harry Redknapp. Now, this is when he was at Spurs. We're talking 2010. I actually covered his press conferences a lot more when he was at QPR, but I did a couple towards the end of his stint at Spurs. And there was one and I feel so sorry for for Sky Sports, Rob Palmer, right now, um, retelling this because I'm sure he wants to forget it. But he he actually asked Harry a, a question and um, referred to the the term wheeler dealer, which um, Harry Redknapp didn't like. Oh, so this. he said, "You've made your name as a wheeler dealer. Uh, there's not been much wheeling or dealing because they were talking about transfer window coming up." Um, <laughs> and Harry Redknapp said, "I'm not a wheeler dealer." Um, <laughs> I'm not making my name as a dealer dealer. So he clearly didn't like that term. And being, I try and put myself in both situations. And you can understand that the connotations that come with wheeler dealer and Del Boy is that you're mm. doing a little bit of stuff backhand. He probably didn't like that. You get the, the premise of why he probably took objection. But from the point of view of the, the reporter, I can tell exactly what Rob was trying to do. He's trying to be a bit more conversational mm. with it. This is how people talk mm. and just trying to get him to open up a little bit. And also, if that's how Harry comes across, then that's how Harry comes across. He shouldn't be ashamed of it, right? Well, it got him far in the jungle. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about you, Emma? I've my boss actually at BBC London um, had quite a, a funny experience not too long ago with Jose Mourinho. Um, it was when he was at Chelsea, actually. How often, Lindsay, do you get this when you go to a press conference and you're in there for, say, 10, 15 minutes and no one actually asks a question about the opposition or about the game that's being uh, played? All the time. So you might be there to preview, say, yeah, Chelsea against, well, this scenario that was against Stoke. Uh, so granted, you know, there's not a huge amount of talking points, perhaps, um, with the opposition dugout. But after about 12, 13 minutes, my boss just turned around and said, and Jose, what are you expecting this weekend from Stoke? And apparently he got up clapped him and said journalist of the year everybody <laughs> which is quite something to get from Jose Mourinho yeah I'd say yeah speaking so. of Jose Mourinho so I had an experience last week so um, Jose Mourinho took Spurs to Old Trafford so it was his return to Old Trafford for the first time I was at that press conference and I asked him a question where I said you know as a manager do you just ditch sentimentality in these situations but he didn't know what sentimentality was and asked me to describe what it was in the press conference <laughs> And how, it's so difficult because sentiment is an emotion. <laughs> yeah. So how, how do, do I describe, describe it? Yeah. So that was a moment where I was also, put on the spot. Jez Mourinho's English is very good. He's yeah. been over here for several years. How can he not until now know what sentimentality is? I think he was buying thinking time and in the process so? making me squirm because I was trying to work out how do I describe this as an emotion. Um, sure, surely we can't sit here and have this conversation, especially now Jose's in, and not yeah. talk about producer Ravi. We yes. have to talk about producer Abby. I think we should let the clip do the talking first. What I want I have from them since they won. What I want is them to be with the team and they always are. Hello. It's from TalkSport. <laughs> that shouldn't be working like that. It's for you. Wait a second, please. It's Abby from TalkSport. <laughs> so Abby, as you might be able to tell from that, used to work for TalkSport. Yes. Um, and... You can actually hear her voice in the yes, background of that. because this journalist's phone was up on the press conference table, as they always are, recording bits so that you can listen back to it later. And lo and behold, the poor journalist, uh, whose phone it was, uh, hadn't put his phone on silent. It rang and uh, Jose answered and who was it? It was our brilliant producer, Abby. It is it, it is her one and only moment of fame, is it, Abby? Yes. Yeah, I know, I know, Kate, that you've got Abby in your ears right now. When did she realise it was Jose Mourinho? Because she obviously <laughs> yes. says something at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, because I can hear her going, hello, it's Abby. <laughs> When did you realise, Abby? When the reporter Dom called her back no and way. said, you know, you've been speaking to Jason. <laughs> she probably also realised, um, I'm pretty sure, Abby, your face was on the front of national newspapers as well. Or it certainly made the news because the phone was held up. And, you know, when you have a caller ID and you can put someone's face <gasps> on your it. Face yeah. Abby, your, your face was on there, which is brilliant. Uh, so yeah certainly for me that is a delicious moment of fame isn't it uh, of course that's not the only time it's happened recently it was only last week that Jurgen Klopp in the presser after Liverpool beat Bournemouth again someone's phone went off and um, unfortunately for whoever that was it came flashing up with Princess Leslie Lou <laughs> which Klopp read out loud and yeah it could have been much worse could I you mean, imagine a nickname it's not ideal though is it Sounds Princess so Leslie dodged, Lou doesn't you it? didn't hear anyone in, in in the uh, presser claim it as theirs either. So, yeah. Fantastic. 
Okay, well, let's move on to any other business. The smaller stories uh, that you may not have picked up during the week. Lindsay, do you want to get us started on this one? Newcastle giving away free season tickets. Did you see this? Yes, I did. So um, they've had their lowest attendance at the club for nine years. And we all know how well supported Newcastle United usually are. But uh, in that very recent 2-1 win over Southampton, 10,000 approximately empty seats. Um, So Steve Bruce has spoken to to the owners um, and apparently current season ticket holders, you have to have a current season ticket, have been given a chance to have an extra ticket for the rest of the campaign for no charge. Well, okay. Stadium announcers. Emma, you're a stadium announcer at Watford, very esteemed position. Yes. Um, It must be quite tough, though, because you can't always get it right. You can't always see exactly what's going on, as was the case for West Ham stadium announcer Martin Godelman. Lovely man. I've met him. Very good at what he does. But uh, when Arsenal won 3-1 at West Ham, he got it a little bit wrong. Confused. David Luiz said he was coming on. It was actually Matteo Guendouzi. I'm really puzzled at how this happened. I'm not. I mean, They've got similar hair. It, it, <laughs> that's what I mean, though. It's obvious that is the way it happened. He he just did an identity check because when we're doing it at Watford, the piece of card that the is handed from the bench, so from the coaches, to the fourth official so he can get the board ready, I see as well. So even before you start sort of yeah. making those connections about the players and what they look like and where they could be similar, I have written down in front of me, sub, you know, it could be Delaferro for Andre Gray, mm. number 18. Yes, yeah, so you've got the numbers. Mm. Obviously, that doesn't happen at West Ham. He must have just had to identity check it himself. And or then, perhaps the person on the bench got it wrong. Perhaps yeah, changed at yeah, the last unless, unless, yeah. So there's obviously someone that's made a mistake there. I've been at matches um, where I don't envy that position because I've been at Molyneux quite a few times where things have happened like someone has gone off and they've had a bloodied shirt and they come on with no number on and then for the rest of the match you've (laughs) got to just remember and then um, I've actually had team sheets that have been wrong you know where where the number hasn't translated and that certainly happened uh, we talked about the Copa Libertadores recently I spoke to Mark Scott after that and he said that none of the numbers matched up with the players <laughs> oh, be, I'd have nightmares about that situation um, we have to as part of any other business Kate because it was a very special birthday recently for Hayley McQueen we yes. were out with her on Sunday so everyone at the offside rule we know that she's on maternity leave at the moment but we wanted to say a big happy birthday to Hayley happy birthday to McQueen yes uh, she's um, and, and, and her daughter Ayla is gorgeous as well. We have a lovely afternoon. Uh, so happy birthday uh, to Hayley from all of us here. Emma, so many other business from you. Just Watford related. Firstly, and most significantly, the dressing room music's changed Ooh. since Mr Pearson has come in. Oh, I'm interested. We've gone from quite moody hip-hop um, to sort of upbeat, be the classic. <laughs> so we'll have to see what impact that has against Liverpool uh, this weekend. But the other um, thing that Watford are doing this week, which hasn't really made news, but they did announce on the club's social media channels, is they're selecting, I think it's something like 50 fans, to come in and essentially have, interestingly, a press conference with Nigel Pearson so the fans will have the opportunity themselves which doesn't really happen in football clubs to ask Why are they doing that with Nigel Pearson in particular? I don't think it I think it's because of the whole situation at Watford with there being chopping and changing with managers and the situation with them being at the bottom of the table I think they're worried there might be a bit of a disconnect with the fans and the club at the moment but I just think it's brilliant that it's Nigel Pearson of all people that will be answering these questions so we'll have to see how that goes 
Well, thank you very much for those heads up and those little Watford lines coming through. Um, we do wish you the best for the rest of the season. I'm sure we're going to see you again, but let's hope that you have a less sorry tale to tell yes. when you come back and that there's been a good bounce through Pearson. Uh, what are you up to this weekend and this forthcoming week? Midlands is where I am. Midlands? I'm, at, I'm at Stoke City for the BBC on Saturday and then I'm at Wolves against Spurs on Sunday. Mm. What about I'm you? very much in London. So I've got the West London derby on Saturday which to clarify uh, is Brentford against Fulham because I know some QPR fans out there Ooh. might not be too <laughs> happy like with that, that. Uh, shall I call it a West London derby yeah. let's say that shall <laughs> we uh, and then podcasting in London on Sunday so oh well look I look forward to seeing you both again Lindsay I'm sure we'll see each other for the for our WSL show on Monday don't forget to check that out as well by the way uh, the Offside Rule WSL edition on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts audio boom etc do give us a follow on both this the Offside Rule and our WSL show as well we'd Really appreciate it and don't forget to leave us comments and reviews as well more reviews please Love for Christmas really that's my do. Christmas wish uh, you can keep across uh, everything to do with us on Twitter and Instagram etc on the socials at Offside Rule Pod and don't forget our brilliant website OffsideRulePodcast.com uh, there's some interesting content actually pushed out this week and then we'll be doing some reviews of the year over the Christmas period so do keep checking that out Emma thank you very thank much you. have a great festive period I know it will be busy yes uh, Lindsay thank you I'll see you next week. I'm from me, Kate. Goodbye. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.